2: Southern Miss to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Glad that you're with us on this Tuesday, October 10th edition of the Eagle Hour. I'm Kelly Sander in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson is in Laurel. We're both in the Southern Bancor studios. Producer, engineer Michael Mergens is with us as well. The first segment of the show today brought to you by our friends at Dickie's Barbecue. Dickie's Barbecue, consistent across the country, so No matter where you are, chances are you can reach out to Dickie's and the consistency and the quality of their food uh, is legendary and let them handle your catering needs big or small. Dickie's a big supporter of Southern Miss Athletics. Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast uh, covering the Sunbelt Conference joining us momentarily. Jenny Hazelwood, the women's volleyball coach at Southern Miss will also be joining us and Ben Milam a little bit later on in the show with Big Gold Nation updating us on Southern Miss football. Let's get to Noah Frary, who is on his way to tonight's uh, big Sunday night, check that, Tuesday night, rare Sunbelt Conference contest. We're going to talk about that and other stuff as we cover the Sunbelt in this segment. As we welcome you, Noah, you're actually in your car just north of Charlotte, headed to Boone, a big one but a rare one tonight in the Sunbelt Conference. Give us a preview.
3: Yeah, guys, it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. I'm about 45 minutes north of Charlotte. I'll be to Boone in about 45 minutes, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a great game. I mean, how often do you get to see a game at the Group of Five level that you're going to have a sellout on a Tuesday night? They're expecting north of 30,000 fans in Boone tonight, and you know this was a great rivalry matchup between Coastal Carolina and App State. Uh, my co-host on the Prairie and Smith podcast, Caden Smith, has played in a number of these games over the last couple of years, and. It's always a fun one. I think uh, you have two different quarterbacks that uh, are very similar this year. Grayson McCall has been throwing more interceptions than ever before. Joey Aguilar steps in in week one after Ryan Berger went down. Uh, He's dealt with some interception issues. I think the defenses are going to play a big role. and Ultimately, guys, I'm thinking this is going to be a close one tonight and could uh, make for some great television in the Sun Belt.
2: And, of course, a week from tonight, our Southern Miss Eagles will be down in Mobile taking on South Al as the Eagles will actually be off this coming saturday but we don't want to we don't want to get too far down the road but we do want to get as far ahead as this coming saturday Noah because another big one will take place when Georgia Southern will take on James Madison and this game has huge implications not only in the east but potentially in the nationwide landscape let's talk a little bit about that and then I'll turn you over to Luke
3: yeah you know Kelly I think you bring up a great point this is you know one of the better matchups in all of the G5 perhaps nationwide this weekend. Uh, you've got an undefeated James Madison team uh, sitting at 5-0. and You've got a Georgia Southern team that, outside of a loss to Wisconsin, they've been really good this year. Um, you know, you think back to last year, this same game, same week, uh, Georgia Southern goes in and upsets a nationally ranked uh, James Madison-Dukes. This one's going to be fun. I think the only thing that might put a damper on it a little bit is the weather's a little bit questionable, might see some rain. Uh, in Harrisonburg this weekend. Uh, that's actually this is actually another game I'm going up to this weekend. It's a busy kind of travel week uh, for me. But when you look at this matchup, I, I think you know a couple of things stand out. James Madison's defensive line is arguably amongst the best defensive lines in the nation. Um, their secondary maybe lacks a little bit, and the reason I bring that up is you have a Georgia Southern offense that can throw it as good as anyone. Um, this game could be a ton of fun. I think the the weather conditions again could play a role for both of these teams as they both love to throw the football. So maybe we see a little bit more running than you know you're used to with these two offenses. But ultimately, these are two of the teams that I think many are looking at the rest of the way. James Madison, obviously not eligible for the conference championship game right now. Um, you know, Georgia Southern. Many would say that they are perhaps the favorite in the Sun Belt East with how well they have played through these opening weeks of the season. So a big matchup. Uh, you get the primetime billing at noon. It's going to be on ESPN 2, or ESPN rather. It's going to be an exciting day this weekend, and I'm looking forward to being sideline and kind of getting to watch two of the best teams in the East go head-to-head.
0: Uh, teams from the east, uh, Georgia State and Marshall go uh, on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. Georgia State, you know, we I was a little disappointed. It seems like Troy may be getting their, uh, their wheels turning, but still that's a big one um, in Atlanta. Marshall coming in, only losing uh, to NC State by 7. That one's at 6 o'clock uh, this Saturday.
3: Yeah, that one's going to be another great one, too, and it's actually fun. Caden uh, and I split the two games up this weekend, so I'm going to James Madison, Georgia Southern. Caden's going to Georgia State, uh, Marshall in Atlanta. I think that one's going to be fun because you're seeing a Marshall team whose offense is starting to evolve. They've scored 41 points in their last two games, uh, you know, Old Dominion, and then you play NC State this past weekend. You look at Georgia State, they're coming off of a disappointing game against Troy. I think that game was a lot closer than maybe the score line shows. Georgia State's a legit team this year. Their offense is outstanding, their defense has been playing well. I think one thing to keep an eye on, Marshall's defense has slipped these last couple weeks, and I think they're going to come into Atlanta looking to make a statement, uh, at least defensively. So this is going to be another good game, I think, particularly for Georgia State. You're going to see real quickly, are they a pretender in the East, or are they a true contender? I think Marshall is, you know, amongst the dark horses in this league. They've got a real chance, you know, at getting to that conference championship game, so if James Madison versus Georgia Southern is 1A on Saturday. I think this game is clearly 1B and should provide a lot of fun late in the evening on Saturday for Sunbelt fans.
0: So why the while the East has uh, four teams with no losses, James Madison 2 and 0, Georgia Southern Marshall App State 1 and 0. The West is up for grabs as well, but everybody's really got a loss. I mean, the 2 and 1 Troy and then Louisiana Texas State, Arkansas State, South Alabama are all 1 and 1. We have kind of seen some some bipolarness of of uh, teams In the west not showing up and then showing up and what's your take on the west right now
3: yeah the west is wide open right now i think many of us who cover the league you know you were looking at maybe texas state to beat louisiana and kind of put themselves as the you know leader in the clubhouse early on in the year and then the raging cajuns uh behind the strong play of zion chris go and and pick up a big win uh you've got four teams at one and one right now you've got troy two and one i think troy is You know after some of the early season struggles against some good teams uh, they have really turned things around I think they have to be considered the favorite they have the championship pedigree Um, but certainly you know I think anything can happen out west right now you've got some some great matchups coming up in the next couple of weeks I mean you mentioned the Louisiana Southern Miss game that's uh, or sorry Southern Miss South Alabama game that's coming up I think that's interesting you've got Louisiana Southern Miss at the end of the year so you know, the West is open right now. I think Troy's the favorite. South Alabama, can they, you know, start to put things together? And, you know, at this point, can Southern Miss maybe play spoiler? Because I, I think that uh, we all kind of know how that season's gone. Can they pull off an upset or two down the stretch uh, to make things interesting? I think the West is fascinating right now.
2: Noah, you hear from just about everybody across this entire Sunbelt Conference. What what is, what does everybody else make of Southern Miss's almost unexplainable beginning? Uh, considering the expectations,
3: yeah, I think you know we had uh, Chris Benini for the Athletic uh, on the podcast. We recorded that episode yesterday. It's coming out tomorrow. He called Southern Miss the most disappointing team in the Sun Belt this year, and I would echo that. This is a Southern Miss team that you know many of us thought was a seven to eight win football team. That you know the schedule was obviously going to be challenging, and to see the bottom drop out of that program this year has been extremely disappointing. You expected guys like Frank Gore Jr. to have big years. That hasn't materialized. You always thought that they could lean on that nasty bunch defense, and they have not been able to like they have been able to in previous years. So I think things are, you know, it's a little murky down there right now. The quarterback position has not worked out. I'm on record of saying I think it's time to maybe look at a different option and kind of see I think the play calling might have to, change a little bit uh, the offense has just been stagnant and that's been disappointing to see for a team that you know was in a bowl game as recently as last
2: year Luke alluded alluded to this before the show and kind of a, a production meeting so to speak but but James Madison if hypothetically if they were to run the table it, it could be problematic as far as the playoffs go because what's their status I mean they can't play for a conference championship but would they even be considered uh, in in the playoff run later on down the road
3: yeah, I mean, right now, because of their transition status, they were denied a waiver this year, so James Madison is not eligible to compete uh, in a bowl game outside of a, a slim possibility, which I can get to in a minute, but yeah, I think James Madison going undefeated definitely hurts the conference, I, I mean, because you know, a team that goes undefeated, they would probably be playing in a New Year's Six bowl game, but in order for them to go undefeated, they're going to take out teams like Marshall. They already beat Troy. Uh, they beat South Alabama, so I think, uh, you know, it's worst-case scenario. James Madison, they do have a slim chance at getting to a bowl game. If there's not enough bowl-eligible teams, uh, they would be picked ahead of, um, you know, teams that are sitting at 5-7. and seven. So the Dukes could, you know, play for a bowl game this year. I don't think the odds of that are extremely high, but there is a, a possibility. Yeah. But right now it doesn't sound like that's going to be a possibility for James Madison this year.
0: Noah, about 15 seconds. What are you looking at of Grayson McCall to play spoiler on the road tonight?
3: Yeah, I mean, Grayson just needs to stop throwing interceptions, six interceptions through uh, five games this year. That's uncharacteristic. Uh, I need to see him play better. I do personally think that Coleslaw has a real chance at of pulling off the upset tonight.
2: Jelly? That's the way it looks from Noah Freire's, uh viewpoint anyway. The Frey and Smith podcast can be downloaded weekly, and uh, we highly recommend it. Give it a thumbs up. Nobody covers the Sun Belt like Freire and Smith, F-R-A-R-Y. And, Smith, thanks, Noah. We'll talk to you again soon.
3: Yeah, guys, thanks. Always enjoy
2: it. We will talk Southern Miss volleyball when the Eagle Hour continues after this timeout.
1: Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the
2: Eagle Hour.
0: Eagle Hour continues on a Tuesday. Appreciate Noah Prairie joining us. Again, fun belt action tonight. Coastal at Appalachian State at 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Should be a good one. App State, five-and-a-half point favorite in there. The over-under, 60-and-a-half. So Grayson McCall, as Noah kind of mentioned, going off air, 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, but six picks. So I'm um, looking to make a difference on the road tonight um, in Boone. Southern Miss uh, Lady Volleyball coach Jenny Hazelwood joins us fresh off a sweep of ULM. Lady Eagles pull back to two and four. And, uh, Coach, um, I was just going back and looking at the, the West, and you guys uh, lost those two to, to South Alabama and Troy, but, I mean I, – you lost, like, six sets by three points or less. And it, it's, it had to be, like, really rewarding to get a sweep on ULM this past weekend.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we're, you're talking about on the road at South Alabama, who's picked to win the West, and then Troy, who's picked to finish second. So, you know, just schedule-wise, it, you know, it was, it was tough. And um, But, like you said, some really, really close matches. And um, But the biggest thing for us is just continuing to learn – and get better and you know we have a mix of (laughs) veterans and then some new faces on the court and i think we're just really starting to gel
0: yeah talk about that again because kelly wants to ask you about mia wesley and and uh something that she just did pretty spectacular and you've got you know some some of the uh, the veterans there and and how do you build that type of chemistry where you have so much youth and uh you know so much experience and they they eventually you know have to trust each other to build that chemistry
1: Yeah, you know, it takes a lot of um, intentional effort and on everybody's part. So players and um, and coaching staff and support personnel. And, you know, we just try to be very open in all of our communications, which can, can be harder to do, right? I mean, uh, you know, people having honest conversations sometimes can be difficult. And we just really embrace um, open dialogue. And it's helped a lot with our young ones learning how to be um, good learners. And then for our returners and our more experienced players, learning how to lead because that's something that's a skill that's learned as
2: well. When you continuing on that theme of chemistry coach Hazelwood, not only, you know, are they different ages obviously, but you got when you look at this roster, compared to the football roster where a large majority of the kids are from Mississippi, you've got young women from Mississippi, you've got them from Texas, you got them from Cali, you I mean, you got them from all over the place where well, let's face it, cultures are different. Yeah. Yeah, for
1: sure. And, you know, for us, volleyball in the South has grown a lot, so we're, we are able to finally start recruiting more locally. Um, but, you know, just through time, obviously, you've had players from all over the country come play volleyball at Southern Miss. And, you know, it, the cool thing for us, and we talk about this with each other, is that we get to learn a lot about where each other are from and what it's like where they're from and just the different ways that people were raised and, and grew up. And it's so fun to just embrace different personalities and different cultures and um and so that's just really what we've built our program on
2: but really isn't that isn't that a large part of what the college experience is supposed to be?
1: oh, for sure, and look, I've got a daughter who's a freshman who's going through it too and learning all these valuable lessons and it's like you know that's that's the great thing about college, and it's why I love coaching college-age athletes, too, because you get to be a part of some of the pivotal times in their lives when they're making big decisions and um, and help steer and guide, uh, you know, some of that decision-making. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a big part of the joy in this job.
2: All right. I want to talk a little bit about Mia Wesley, as, as Luke mentioned. Mia Wesley now on the top 10 all-time kill list of uh, volleyball players at Southern Miss. Not necessarily huge news, except she hasn't been here that long. She's you know, yeah. a, a lot. No, yep. Normally, young women would take four years maybe to amass those kind of numbers. She's done it in a season and a third, essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and you know, she, she was here the year before me, so two, probably two and a third okay. seasons. Okay. But you know, it's still again, you're, you're talking about numbers that players usually are at by the end of four years. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it just shows how much. She She has not only given to this program, you know, there are a lot of great names on that list, on that top ten list. I mean, Southern Miss has had some outstanding volleyball players through the years. And so it's just a huge honor for, you know, one of our athletes, especially in today's, you know, I guess, atmosphere of transfers and all that in college that you know we've had a player like Mia Wesley um you know stick with this program and put up those kind of numbers
2: yeah and and I wanted to to fill Luke in on this too uh, uh coach well well I got him on here when I went to the volleyball complex last time to interview the players um you know I wanted to interview Mia and she she was going to come out to do the interview but then she said to me she goes can't this wait I mean and in just that tone of voice. You know, can't this wait until after practice? And look, make no mistake, I'm used to being shunned by women. All right, that's so, so I'm used to being told no. But I mean she's intense, Luke. She she's cut off a, a different cloth, man. She's a competitor.
1: She Absolutely. <laughs> she is for sure. And she's that way in everything. They'll play cards in the locker room and she's competitive. They'll I mean my goodness, I'm surprised they don't have, like, who can finish their, you know, food fastest every time we're out to eat. They, it's just constantly <laughs> a competition. But um, but it, it's part of what makes her a great player. But she's really molded into, you know, someone that wants to be the kind of leader that the team needs her to be, too. And so that's what makes it, it, it Mia Wesley special, is that you know it's not just about her and her numbers and records she's breaking. It's about the team and the team's success.
0: Yeah, she's just showing those younger players, you know, what it takes to to be elite and setting that example. Yeah. All right, coach, a couple of questions. What what did you see? What, what was your big takeaways from from ULM?
1: Um, really, it started in the last. Troy match um lost a close one in five sets and then going into the weekend against ULM one of the biggest things that has gotten significantly better is our blocking in our defense and it's something that you know really it's, it's been a long journey it's learning how to block at a higher level and just it's so intricate there's so much that players are having to do in a split second. And so it's just not easy. And I feel like our, our blocking has finally clicked. And, um, you know, we're, and, and honestly, blocking is not that big of a factor when you look at statistics that correlate with winning and losing. Um, yeah. but if your blocking is a big negative then the other team is going to point score a lot And so right. um, so our block had been probably a little more neutral at times not great maybe at times negative and now our blocking is a huge positive for us and so it's just going to be one of those momentum things too that when you get that big stuff block it can shift momentum in a heartbeat so I've been really really proud of that and, if, and then Ella Voorhees has stepped into the setting role just to add a little bit more experience there and She's been fantastic.
0: Second week in a row, uh, Coach Hazelwood, your ladies get to, to play at home. And, and Texas State 3-1 and one in the conference. They're 10-7 and seven overall. Uh, what's it going uh, to take to, to get some wins this weekend?
1: I mean, it's going to be a battle the whole time. And so that's super exciting, um, you know, getting to play a team like Texas State but at home this season because, you know, we were in their house last year. Um, you know, it's always fun, and both teams will be up and excited. So we're really looking forward to just the atmosphere overall. And, you know, I, I understand that fall break, but, man, I mean, great crowd support and fan support. It really does give a huge home court advantage. And so we've had good crowds, and it's been so wonderful to have the support of Southern Miss students and fans. And, you know, I, th- I think we just continue to grow this thing and you know just the exciting atmosphere is going to make every visiting team not want to come play at southern miss and so we're just excited to bring texas state into that atmosphere here on our home court and really get after it
2: you've talked about this before coach hazelwood but but i've had some a couple people ask me about you know we mentioned that you've got players from for an example texas you know california um and we don't have these huge budgets to go out and, and recruit necessarily any athlete, you know, for, for any sport. So, so, and I know, again, you've, you've talked about this before, but maybe some listeners that don't tune in on a regular basis, tell us about your network that you've got kind of set up to where you do have access to these young women uh, across the country, even though you don't physically, you know, see them face to face in their homes.
1: Yeah. Well, Kelly, a big part of that is I'm old. I'm really old, and so I know a lot of people in this business because I've been doing it for twenty-something years. We'll just Brian's that. old. You're, you're not old, Coach. <laughs> Brian is old. Well, that's right, that's right. My husband, he's definitely older than me, and he always will be, so that's great. And um, and so, but no, so really just the more you get to know people in this profession and, and just stay in, in touch and, and have those sort resources and people that you can really trust, it just helps a lot with the recruiting process. It helps with the hiring process. You know, our our goal is to help our assistant coaches really move, like, up in the – profession as they want to do that and so you know we're going to continue to have um, you know great people come into this program and they're going to have different connections from a recruiting standpoint and all that kind of stuff so it really it it works out when you you build your staff a certain way or you know and and then you have hard-working people Southern Miss is really a, a gem In the south, and so uh, when we bring recruits here and they come to campus and they, um, you know, see the area, I mean, even Hattiesburg is the perfect smaller town that has All right. plenty of stuff. So, you know, it's just it's, it's been easy to sell right. Heisberg and Southern Miss, and, you know, it's just easy to get good players here.
2: All right, Coach. Continued success. Texas State coming to town this weekend. Jenny Hazelwood, the coach of the volleyball team at Southern Miss. We'll talk to you again, Coach, soon. Thank you. All right. Ben Milan from Big Gold Nation joins us as the Eagle Hour rolls on.
4: hour southern miss to the top
2: this segment of the eagle hour brought to you by our friends at campus bookmark open 24 hours online 24 7 at campusbookmart.net. And that's the bright gold building if you want to drop in there in, in person and shop. Christmas right around the corner, little uh, knickknacks. Anything that has the Southern Miss logo on it, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. And tonight being Tuesday, it's Service Industry Night at 4th Street Bar and Grill, where they uh, pay tribute, so to speak, to... Servers, cooks, bartenders, dishwashers of all the different restaurants around town. And uh, they have a good time Tuesday night. Sometimes there's trivia at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They're always having a lot of fun there. And you're always a friend because everybody there is a Southern Miss fan. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud supporter of Southern Miss Athletics and of this program. Joining us now is Ben Milam, writer with Big Gold Nation, who uh, covers Southern Miss football. And Ben, as as we welcome you to the show, you got to hear uh, Noah Frary. Uh, from the Frary and Smith podcast, kind of look at the Southern Miss uh, situation from an outsider's point of view. I just kind of wanted to get your reaction as to as to what he said that everybody else was saying about Southern Miss so far this year.
4: Well, yeah. First of all, great to be back on. Um, yeah, those those guys do a, a fantastic job, um, and to me, it was it was almost a, a little encouraging, I guess, in some ways that. That everyone else is surprised, and I think you could say as confused as we are uh, that this season has gone the way it has in the first half for Southern Miss. I um, mean, those those guys know what they're talking about. They know the history of Southern Miss, and and they knew the expectations coming into this year. And they're saying they're seeing a lot of the same things we are. I think, um, yeah. I mean, it, I think it just gives credence to to how a lot of people are thinking about Southern Miss football.
2: Yeah, the thing that's, uh, that's kind of that you have to watch about going forward is that you know Coach Hall has talked about they're just so close to being good, but when you look at the schedule the rest of the way in conference, not to mention you have a, an SEC foe later on on the schedule, not only do the Eagles have to get good, do they have to tighten up some things, they've got to get significantly better quickly considering the upgrades in the schedule. Is that reasonable? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you, coming into
4: the year, I think when you looked at the schedule as a whole, obviously it it was going to be a challenge. But you looked at this first half and, you know, you picked out three or four games where you said, you know, maybe those are not, there really are no easy wins outside of maybe the opener against Alcorn State. They're all going to be a challenge. But there are three or four wins there. You really need to get those. Uh, swing games, if you want to call them that. If you want this to be a successful season, if you want to get back to a bowl game, and I mean the fact that you are now sitting at one and five, zero and five against FBS competition, it's it's going to be that that much harder for this to be a productive season.
0: Talking to Ben Milam, who is uh, who staff writer for Big Gold Nation, also co-host of the Buzzardry Podcast. I don't know if you know what we call Patrick, your co-host. We call him Stats. Uh, I Stats think that's McGee. the most. Yeah, that's the most underrated. Um, title for him i mean he's just a consumer of. i mean you're around him you, you know how uh, oh, phenomenal it is right
4: yeah oh my goodness yeah <laughs> I, I consider myself a system quarterback in the podcast i just i dump it <laughs> off to patrick and he runs with it man he's he's incredible
0: i was listening uh, the other night um to, to y'all's episode and and um just why and that, that's really the i think you guys had a lot of questions people were asking so why for you has it not worked in year three
4: You know, that's, (laughs) you're going to get the same answer we talked about on the podcast. It's, I I don't know that anyone really can point out to a specific reason. I mean, I I think, I think one of the glaring things is, and, and we've pointed this out on the podcast, and, I mean, it's been talked about at length by a lot of people, but you had a ton of turnover on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. Uh, I mean, three guys get a shot in the NFL. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, the bulk of your veteran experience you lost outside of a few guys, Jay Stanley being uh, the main one, and and Jay Stanley has been banged up, um, you know, through the majority of these first six games, and so I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you look at the first two years of the Hall era, and the defense really has been the linchpin of the games that you have won, Um, and you... You obviously take it further and you lose your defensive coordinator and even if the scheme is similar i mean that's a that's a big deal to lose the the, the leader the coordinator of your defense um you know after you've had all that momentum and success it's hard to replicate that especially with the fact that you've had so much personnel turnover and so i think that's a big part of the lack of consistency obviously the defense was better last week against Old dominion but it, it's just hard to have continuity when you have so much shifting. And, and then, obviously, you've had a lot of shifting on the offensive side of the ball. You've got a new quarterback, two new quarterbacks, uh, you know, being your A and B guys, and a lot of new skill position players. Uh, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of directions you can point to. But I think – I really think personnel-wise, I don't know if you can say it's why you're 1-5, and five, but I think it's a big reason you've seen a lot of lack of consistency.
0: Lack of consistency up front. I mean you, but going back to the you know, the two lane games, other miss holds two lane for less yards than Ole miss did the previous week, both games without Michael Pratt. Um right. I, I think it's been unfortunate. Coach was talking to us yesterday, you know, one of the, the red zones you get in there, you're first and goal at the ten. Um you know, the the two losses uh, before this week both came you give teams five or six short fields and they score on all those. So it's a combination of giving team short fields, and then when you have opportunities, you know, you can't put touchdowns up. Um, Bob, Bob asked him this yesterday, and, and uh, he acknowledged the fact that, that Drake Clark's got to get more carries. But, you know, Bob specifically asked him at the quarterback position, and uh, you know whether you know it was time to to look other other elsewhere there. You know he he said that you know wasn't an option at this point. And to be honest, when you look at uh, I think Scott Watkins threw it out there when when Wiles has a clean pocket, uh, he's at sixty five percent. So you know, in your mind, it's you, you you mentioned personnel. I mean, is it is it personnel? Is it play calling? Is it is it both? Is it not taking advantage of situations?
4: Yeah, I I, I think it's I think it's. Uh, it's a combination of, uh, like I said, a lot of different factors and a lot of stuff you just mentioned. I, I, I really, I really don't think that Billy Wiles is the issue. Um, and I think, I, I think up front, I thought you saw improvement, uh, especially at your tackles. I mean, I thought yeah. Gabe Cavazos was really good at left tackle, uh, getting his first college start. I thought that was really encouraging. And so I think it's, I mean, part of it is just. You haven't found the formula yet offensively with with all of the new changes you've made uh, before the season and in season, and I also think that's that's part of the reason you know the, the fan base is frustrated that, that that's the fact in year three. But I I also think you know and, and you guys have talked about it. We've talked about it on the podcast the two weeks before Old Dominion. Those that was the best two week stretch this offense has had under Will Hall. I think you saw the potential of this offense if they can piece it together. It's just a matter of doing it
1: consistently.
2: Kelly? Well, if you, if you based on expectations, one guy that's probably on pins and needles, Ben, to shift gears is Jay Ladner, because a lot of expectations are yeah. being placed on this basketball team. Now you got two, two trees in the middle. Not one, but two seven-footers. And yeah. already people across the country are talking about this Southern Miss basketball team being a legitimate contender for a spot in the big dance.
4: Well, you know, with, this, with the frustration with football, I, I think the past three or four years people were asking the question, when is baseball season? But now they're asking, when is basketball season? I, I think that's, that's real progress, the fact that people are fired up about Southern Miss basketball. I think they've got good reason to be... Um, you know, they're you know, we talk about roster turnover. There's gonna be a lot of new personnel for Jay Ladner in his fifth year, uh, but not not nearly what he had last year. You you've got some of those foundational pieces back. Austin Crowley, uh I mean, mostly at your skill positions, you obviously lose some of your high production guys like Felipe Hasse and DeAndre Pinckney, um, but I think there's a lot to be excited about. I think the pieces that you added, they've been successful at other levels at high school and, and the, uh, the college places they played before. I think this is a high-potential team. If, if you showed me on paper last year's roster and this year's roster, I would probably tell you that this, this year's uh, roster, at least personnel-wise, has a higher ceiling.
2: When you look at the uh, the nil and the transfer portal Ben, don't you think that when we look back on this maybe another year or two down the road, you're gonna you're gonna say that this actually kind of leveled out the playing field that that the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world um you know are are not are not he- running away with things like they used to yeah i I think we've we've got a
4: few years before we can really assess the impact of the way that things have shifted but I do think there is, uh, that is a little bit of the silver lining, is you, you have the guys and, you know, whatever sport it is, any of the big three sports, really any sport, rosters are not going to be quite so top heavy talent wise because, you know, if you're not playing somewhere and you have the opportunity to play somewhere else, you're probably going to do that. That's just the way it works. And, and I think, yeah, at the level uh, that Southern Miss is competing in, I, I feel like that in large part is going to be a benefit
0: yeah hey who do you, who you got in boone tonight give me
4: Av state I, I i thought they were underrated uh coming into the season and that coastal has been a little lackluster uh so give me yeah give me the nears
0: good stuff well ben we appreciate your time man thanks for coming on today always enjoy guys take care it's been milam of big gold nation staff writer as well as the co-host of buzzardry podcast uh, with our good friend stats mcgee Take a break. Eagle Hour will finish out on a Tuesday after these commercial messages.
4: Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern
0: Miss to the top. Appreciate Ben Milam joining us, as well as Noah Frary earlier, and Southern Miss head volleyball coach Jenny Hazelwood. If you miss any of those interviews, you can go back and listen on demand at supertalk.fm or the Super Talk Eagle Hour in podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible. Luke Johnson, Kelly Center, Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, four segment is always brought to you by D Bat and D1 Training. Great opportunity as the fall hits to get some instruction, some practice um, in their hitting cages, state-of-the-art facility, all that on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com. Men's Golf up in Corvallis, Oregon at the Oregon State Invitational Men currently tied for eighth. Robbie Ladder, three um, over, two over for the tournament. Shot a 68 in his first round. So um, guys tied with Gonzaga for eighth. Two shots back of Seattle and Idaho. Lady Eagles at the Dale McNamara Invitational in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, at the Golf Club of Oklahoma. And uh, Lady Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. Um, competing there. They're tied for ninth right now. Momoko Ando, one over for the tournament, continues to have a phenomenal season. She is tied for 13th overall. Tennis over the weekend got 15 wins in matches during the three-day Golden Eagle Invitational. So uh, congratulations to that success for them. On Thursday, they'll head to Auburn, Alabama for the ITA regionals. All right, Kelly. Going back, uh, talking a little more about what uh, what Ben said, and I I didn't get to agree with him while he was on, but I will say this: I do not believe, and I w- I will agree that this is this is not a Billy Wiles problem. And so, uh, you know, Bob yesterday asked um, Coach Hall about do we need you know more looks at that position. I I do think the, the flip side to that is, well, well, let me start with one side. You're you're the best you've ever been. Under this coaching staff at the quarterback position, Wiles is the best quarterback you've put out there on a consistent basis. At the same time, I mean, the flip side—nothing against you know Billy or or whoever would be the starter there—but sooner or later, at one and five, you you may the, the the time may come where you just have to try to get a spark from somewhere, you know, just to to try to uh, to get something going. Now, offensive line was really the only position that a, a bunch of transfers were not brought in on. And offensive line is probably, let's be honest, the hardest position to like. If you're going to flip a roster, that's the hardest position because that's a unit. You can have one good offensive lineman, and guess what? If you don't have five guys, you're in trouble. And so that that's where the key is to me going forward with what you have at the offensive line and who you've got, um, you've got to try to make it work. Um is there anything to to be said? What I brought up with Ben, I mean, you look back the last three weeks, five or six short fields, and then you can't score touchdowns inside the ten yard line. I mean, all that really contributed to three straight losses.
2: Well, when you talk when you compare that to the defensive line, and a lot of the transfers that came in were Mississippi guys, but they most of them came from SEC programs, which means obviously. You know, regardless of the schools that they came in, they, they were highly heralded and, and highly recruited. Um, and the linebacking corps certainly had a veteran group, um, but the offensive line group was, was pretty much the same. You know, so you're working with a lot of the same guys. So there's certainly credence in the argument that that's the only the group as a whole that has not been, you know, not been overhauled. But to get a spark... You know, you looked at what Will Hall did last week and said that, you know, we're moving some people around on the offensive line. You know, um, and you talked about Cavazos playing well, you know, last weekend. Maybe maybe that's where they're going to start. And and Coach Hall closed practices this week. Now, they don't play Saturday, of course. They're preparing for South Al, which is going to be a tall task either way. Uh, a week from tonight and that game will be on on national tv but maybe that is where they're going to focus their efforts now is is working you know the the offensive line um and he hasn't you know he hasn't been critical uh, overly yeah. critical of, of any you know particular aspect or or any particular unit on the team but but you would think and and the fact that they were inside the 5 in that one drive that fell just short and the fact that they ran it three different times would show you that they that he has confidence in the offensive line otherwise you would just say no you know we're, we're not going to do that
0: and and i think the frustration comes from everybody including guys on the team and the coaching staff is the game should not have come down to that last drive the the fact is it did and the fact is you still had an opportunity to win i think that's what's frustrating for people when you go back to arky state you take 21 points off the board, you know, with block punt and interception, short field. You take uh, points off the board with short fields at Texas State. You add a punt return and you punch it in three times inside. So they missed one of the last three games. Right, but, but we're but we're not there and that's they they've got to to get it right. And I'll just I'll state it for the record. I'm for these coaches, I'm for these players. I've been there before while I wasn't on a team that was 1 in 5. I've been in the locker room after disappointing losses, I've been in seasons where we should have won, and we knew we should have won games. And the only thing you can do is get back out at the practice field. That's all you can do.
2: That's right. And and those are those are behind you now. So you know it's marked improvement. And look, they're going to have to get good quickly yep. because of, of the teams that are you know remaining on the schedule. So that'll do it for this Tuesday, October tenth edition of the Eagle Hour. We're already busily preparing for tomorrow's show, and the rest of the week we've got our JUCO preview. We're going to be live at. Uh, we've got a remote on Friday where we're going to be at Southern. Can't fight this week, Senator. That's right, Jones at Pearl River. We'll take a look at that, and we'll be at Southern Bancor on Friday. Lots of good stuff to talk about regarding Southern Miss athletics. Plenty more to come until tomorrow at one o'clock. From all of us to all of you, Southern Miss to the top. To the top.